0: Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at WBEZ.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset, your go-to for news, politics, and culture in and around Chicago. How do you build trust between civilians and law enforcement? Well, the city of Chicago is trying to do just that with a new program that focuses on mediation. The six month pilot program could give people a chance to hash out low level police misconduct complaints with the help of an independent mediator. So how is this supposed to work? And how realistic is it that the two parties would come together to resolve an incident? We're joined by Ray Caritzi, programs director at the Center for Conflict Resolution, a nonprofit mediation center involved with the pilot program here. Ray, How long has the Center for Conflict Resolution been around?
1: Uh, CCR, as we lovingly refer to it, was uh, established in 1979 by the Young Lawyer Section
0: of the Chicago Bar. So um, we've been around for over 40 years. And so as Programs Director, Ray, how exactly are you involved with this uh, CPD initiative?
1: Yeah, so in my role, I oversee our 20 different mediation programs that operate all throughout uh, Chicago and Cook County. Um, we get a lot of different mediation types, different mediation cases. Um, we use the same facilitative model uh, to mediate all of them. And so my role is to oversee the program. So to help manage referrals, to work closely, closely, excuse me, with both COPA and um, the city mm-hmm. on the referrals that we're getting to make sure we're getting cases that are a good fit for this program. Mm-hmm. And then my job is also to help the people who are being invited to participate in the program. So I was on the phone with a potential mediation participant just yesterday.
0: So for this uh, community police mediation effort, what would you say the goal, the overall goal is?
1: The goal from my perspective is for us to create an opportunity for folks to come together and have a conversation. So I'm really, there's there's no obligation for complainants or CPD members um, even to participate. So voluntariness is a really central tenant to mediation. So, and that, um, voluntary engagement is part of the entire experience, e- even during the mediation. You know, someone can decide 30 minutes in, you know what, I hate this. <laughs> and they're yeah. not forced to stay in the room. So it's really about the mediator's responsibility mm-hmm. is to create this opportunity to have, um, a candid, valuable, uh, hopefully um, evolutionary type of conversation. Yeah.
0: I have several follow-ups. Yes, uh, But first, I want to get a handle of what we mean when we say low-level misconduct investigations, right? So yeah. mediators are guiding these conversations between folks who made complaints right And their, their low mm-hmm. level. So what, what is that?
1: Yeah. So that what complaints get referred is actually determined by COPA. Um, and the COPA actually has a beautiful, uh, FAQ on their website. If, um, we don't address all of those questions. But I will tell you that in particular, we're looking at complaints around perceived bias or harassment, um, failure to provide service, neglect of duty, discourteous treatment, and unprofessionalism. Uh, those are the types of complaints. So an officer being rude. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great example. Or, And I think one of the most Common things. I know you had mentioned earlier the idea of building trust, which yeah. is absolutely central, but right. I really anticipate we're going to have a lot of conversations about respect. Right. So an experience of um, the officer being rude, as you said, or disrespectful, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, that, well, that would be a great um, type of complaint to bring in for a mediation.
0: I see. So. What will a uh, police and citizen mediation session actually look like? You, you mentioned a moment ago that you use the, the same facilitation mm-hmm. model across all of the, the different requests that yeah. you get. So, so what does that look like? Bring me there. So a- I absolutely. think an officer was rude to me yesterday in the parking lot mm-hmm. at Jewel. Yeah. And you're going to a, make a complaint. You make a complaint
1: to COPA and COPA determines, you know what, this is going to be a good fit for the mediation program. So COPA is going to let you know. We're sending the case to CCR for mediation mm-hmm. and then COPA is going to send me your info and someone from CCR would call you and, and send you an email or a letter, depending on what communications you've asked for in your complaint. And we're going to say, hello, we are not COPA. <laughs> we are not the city. We mm-hmm. are not CPD. Um, we are here on the behalf of the mediation program. And then we would have what we call an intake conversation. So it's a chance to assess. If you think mediation would be a good fit for you based on whatever occurred between you and the officer, if you say yes, absolutely, then the next thing I'm going to do is reach out to that officer and let them know, you know, there was a complaint um, and uh, you were named in it. They don't – we wouldn't at that time tell them who you were. Okay. We would say there's been a complaint. Um, it was this type of an incident. Are you willing to come have a conversation? and? You say yes, the officer says
0: yes, we schedule it at
1: a time that's going to work for both of you. And if
0: the officer says no?
1: If the officer says no, then we say to COPA, the officer said no, and then COPA gets the case back. And we would let you know as well that the officer declined to participate.
0: Because on on both sides, the the police officer and the civilian, this isn't required, this participation. It's
1: it's not required. And it's interesting because... Of course, we're talking about these cases that are referred through COPA, that are community police dynamics. But we also work with cases that are referred to us either um, because of the terms of a statute or maybe because of court. And even in those instances, even when a judge says, I'm referring your case to mediation or I'm ordering your case to mediation, parties still get to say, this doesn't work for me. We really value party autonomy. So. Assuming you're both on board, we're going to schedule that at a time that's going to work for both of you at CCR's offices, mm-hmm. which are located downtown. Okay. And then at this juncture, the com- the community member um, has the option of either participating in the room. So the we're using a co-mediation model for this. So two mediators, uh, the community member, the CPD officer. I see. So four people. Four people. Mm-hmm. So they could all be in the same room or... The community member could say, you know what, honestly, um, the officer is going to be on duty. I understand that that means that they'll be in their uniform. I don't really want to sit in a room with an officer in their uniform. And then we say, "Okay, great. You'll come to our offices. We'll put you in a private room. We'll set you up with the tech and the Zoom and everyone will actually participate virtually. So you're only seeing each other on screen. So community members get that option of if they'd like to share the actual room with the police officer or if they'd prefer um, some of the distance that a virtual participation can provide.
0: So, but given that this is so voluntary, which mm-hmm. is the word that you used earlier, how do you know if mediation is successful?
1: Yeah. Th- uh, they and how ha- do you
0: measure success?
1: Yeah, that's a, such a fantastic question. So we measure success by whether or not people are able to come to the mediation and have a conversation have that productive conversation show up completely if we run this pilot for six months and we learn oh no but nobody wants to do this Mm -hmm. right then that in itself is actually very good data for us to go back and figure out what do we need to do differently right i I would like to think we would figure that out sooner than the six month mark right um and we will be um regularly checking in uh, you know on this program and making sure that we're handling cases well that um COPA's, you know, that that referral relationship is working. Um, But yeah, so, you know, for us, success looks like people come to the mediation, they have a chance to speak, they have a chance to be heard. Mm -hmm. So if both parties don't want to do this, then they shouldn't do it. Yeah. It's not, again, like you said, it's not required. Yeah. Um, You know, and I think, I know that you're going to speak to a representative from the New Orleans program, Mm -hmm. which is really exciting and one of the... um, one of the programs that we looked at as a model okay. for what this type of work could look like. And one of the considerations uh, for us is if people aren't interested in mediating these types of cases, we need to figure out are there other types of complaints that would be better suited? Is do people not want to participate for, you know, a specific reason about the type of model we're providing? Um, Is it something about timing? Like, there's a lot of things to be learned, which is why I'm really glad we've started with a pilot, right, instead of like...
0: Sounds like also a lot of adjustments that could be made.
1: Yes, absolutely. If this
0: specific uh, model doesn't doesn't work out.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: How are you training the mediators to, to handle these kinds of confrontations between, you know, a cop and Mm -hmm. a civilian?
1: Yeah, that's a really important question. So our mediators start with a 40-hour mediation skills training, um, which we provide. And after that mediation training, our mediators participate in a three-month mediator mentorship program or their students in a mediation clinic, um, which is, again, about a three-month, a semester-long project. Okay, And um, then mediators certify uh, in our model because that facilitative model means no advice, opinion or assessment on the part of the mediator. And so we really want to make sure that our mediators have mastered that skill of staying neutral and they're um, certified through simulated mediation with um, senior staff. And then once folks are certified, we ask that they mediate at least twice a month for a year and a half. Um, because it's a perishable skill and we want people to really stay in it. So that's our basic training um for our volunteer mediators. Oh, I see. Mediators for this program participated in a two-day custom training for this program. So our CCR's training department um built a beautiful training for these volunteers.
0: Does it deal with the distrust? Absolutely. Right? So um, it deals with yeah.
1: ideas of power imbalance. Right. Um, mistrust. The, um, the recognize it's a trauma informed training. And we want to recognize that. Right. We're having a conversation about what happened between these two people in this incident. But there's also a lot of other things that are mm-hmm. going on. Right. Right. Um, about what it is to be a community member and what it is to be a Chicago police officer, right? So the mediator's job is to help the parties, you know, show up authentically in that conversation, but also to try and make space for the emotional response they might be having. Yeah. Um, But also to try to help them focus on what's really important to them and what might give them resolution or allow them to move through or past this particular moment.
0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. And if you're just joining us, We're learning about a new pilot program in Chicago that will allow citizens filing low-level misconduct claims against police to go through mediation with them. Our guest is Ray Caritzi, who's Programs Director at the Center for Conflict Resolution. It's a Chicago-based nonprofit that's collaborating with Chicago Police and the Civilian Office of Police Accountability, or COPA, on this pilot program. So we got a statement from COPA, and in it, uh, Chief Andrea Kirsten says, quote, As the agency responsible for receiving public complaints alleging police misconduct, COPA fully supports this effort by the city that will not only bring back, bring quick resolution, but also builds bridges in community and police relations, which contributes to public safety. Uh, Kirsten then goes on to call the program another tool to our toolbox for productive conflict resolution. Stepping back for a moment, Ray, how effective have you seen the practice of, of mediation between community members? You, you talked earlier about having used other cities as a model, but also within your practice, you oversee like 20 of these programs, right? Mm-hmm. So how have you seen this work and what does that look like?
1: Yeah, I've seen, uh, you know, first of all, to be a mediator is such an absolute privilege because you share this really intimate space with people who are in conflict. And when people are in conflict, they can be really vulnerable. Um, You know, and so you, you end up, Um, Really having a very powerful opportunity to create and share space with people while they tell their story. Um, I have seen cases that I never that from the first moment I thought, oh, this will never go anywhere. You know, in my mind, my hubris um, and then been absolutely surprised when in an hour and a half the parties were you know, shaking hands and making plans to go to dinner. Um, and I've also seen cases where I thought this will be easy. Uh, and they did not come to an agreement. You know, I've certainly been surprised both ways. Yeah. Um, when the mediation is really successful, what often happens is that folks have an opportunity to get new information. Um, it's really hard when we're in conflict with someone, either repeated conflict or the type of um, really emotionally charged conflicts that I anticipate we'll see in this program. So even if it's a one-time conflict or a longstanding conflict, um, it can be really hard to listen to what the other person is trying to tell you and to get their perspective. Mm-hmm. And mediation provides an opportunity for people to share their story in a much calmer way, but also to get new information about what might have been happening for
0: the other person. I see when I think of mediation, I think of relationships that kind of already exist. So I think of, you know, just like a husband-wife situation, a a familial uh, relationship, right? And where mediation can be tough, but talking about your intimacy point, it's it's easier to be in an intimate space like that with my husband as we try to work through this thing that we can't get through. But an officer will probably be a stranger to Mm. me, right? So there's that extra hurdle.
1: Right. And what... What I anticipate though, right, is that this officer might be a stranger to you, but officers are probably not a stranger to you. You know, and there's something, um, that very unique about when community members are having an interaction with a police officer where, they perhaps, you know, this police officer, right? Perhaps this is a it could certainly be a longstanding relationship or a repeated engagement. Yeah. But it, it could be this is the first time I'm having this experience with this officer. But the fifth time I'm having this experience with an officer.
0: I see. <clears throat> Are there incentives for either party to participate? Um,
1: I think if people want to tell their story, you know, if people want a chance to um, engage and not. um simply you know and not have the matter um decided by someone else. It can mm-hmm. be really empowering to
0: participate in mediation. And a question Ray from from Twitter. Um one of our listeners says what protects mediation participants from future retaliation? Like if if a serious issue mm-hmm. is mediated, will it also be ineligible for further investigation?
1: Yeah. So if it's if it's a if it's a really serious issue, um it probably isn't an appropriate fit for mediation mediation is not you know a cure all to all these different types of complaints
0: right this is low level mm-hmm. police misconduct and
1: you know if a party were to decide you know if a complainant were to decide at any point in the mediation process you know this is not what i wanted i i want to ask copa to continue to investigate they they can do that um but for you know for mediations where the parties are able to show up they participate in good faith it's a successful conversation, Um, those complaints, you know, they're going to be closed with
0: COPA. Do you think six months is long enough to, to see how well this program works?
1: I think six months is long enough to get a sense of if we're headed in the right direction for sure. Um, six months is a pretty standard mediation pilot length that I tend to recommend. Um, I'll be honest, I don't, I don't remember how we got to six months, um, in all the conversations here with the city, but
0: I feel like that's, that's just the standard pilot time yeah, for these things.
1: Yeah. It might just be the default for what makes, makes a pilot for sure. Um, I think it, for us, it'll certainly be enough to get a sense of, um, do we have the, the support, um, th- from complainants? Like, are we, did we choose the right types of cases? Are we making the right types of efforts? Mm-hmm. I think it'll be enough time to know, um, what's, what, what is and isn't working in some very foundational ways. And again, I'm glad that we have it set up as a pilot so that we didn't accidentally commit ourselves to a program that might not be successful. The best mediation program for Chicago is going to be one that works in Chicago. So we've taken some best practices and some models from other cities, and we've taken our skill set from working in Chicago for 40 years. Mm -hmm. But being responsive to what Chicago needs
0: is going to make this program uh, the best possible program it can be. Ray Caritzi is Programs Director at the Center for Conflict Resolution. That's a Chicago-based nonprofit mediation center collaborating with the Chicago Police Department for this six-month pilot program. Thank you, Ray. Thank you so much. We're continuing our conversation about a new program that would give people reporting cases of low-level police misconduct an opportunity to talk things through with the officer they've filed against and an independent mediator. This is a pilot program that would only last six months. We're still left wondering whether community police mediation can make a real impact. But Chicago can turn to cities like Denver, New Orleans, and D.C. for a glimpse of how it can work. They've been using this kind of practice for years and have seen success. So what are they doing right? Joining us now is Jules Griff, director of the New Orleans Community Police Mediation Program, which is run by the Office of the Independent Police Monitor in New Orleans. Welcome to Reset, Jules.
2: Hi, thank you, Sasha.
0: How long has there been a community police mediation program in your city?
2: So we started the program at the end of 2014. So October 2014 is when we first debuted and started taking mediation complaints.
0: Well, that's a good chunk of time. Can you tell us how it works? Walk us through what exactly happens.
2: Sure, so um, what happens is um, a person can file a complaint of misconduct um, at any time, something that um, they were a part of or that they observed. And then uh, for certain types of complaints that are eligible for mediation, those get referred to our program. So in New Orleans, we have what's called the Public Integrity Bureau, which is basically internal affairs for the police department. So that's the hub that takes in complaints. Um, and then if it's eligible for mediation, which is based on uh, mostly based on allegations, mm-hmm. um, so things like professionalism, neglect of duty, discourtesy. Um, bias-based policing. Those are the types of things that are eligible for mediation. Nothing that's criminal or that's um, a more serious use of force. Those would all go through an investigation process. Um, but if it's eligible for mediation, then it comes to uh, to my program. And then we basically reach out um, to the officer and also to the community member who filed the complaint mm-hmm. and do an intake conversation to see if they are interested in mediation um, and also to see if it's an appropriate situation uh, for mediation. if both parties or if all the parties involved say yes, then we go forward with scheduling <clears throat> scheduling the mediation at a time and a place um, that works for everybody. Um, our mediations we 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 try to make very accessible to the community. So, um, close to where they live or work in a private space, but also a neutral space. So we use the public library meeting rooms. We use the rec center meeting rooms. Nonprofits let us use their meeting rooms. Um, so we make sure that it's a space that feels safe and comfortable and that's neutral. Um, okay. And then basically we, um, we have a, a pool of mediators who have been specifically trained um, in this type of mediation, um, they're community members that are that are volunteers um, that have been recruited and trained specifically, and so we we would assign two mediators. Uh, we use a co-mediation model, and um, we do all of the scheduling and coordinating and um, kind of intake forms and all of that. And then once everyone has agreed, um, people would meet um, and have a face-to-face. Um, or now we do also offer virtual uh, mediations through Zoom. We did have to kind of adjust to right. the pandemic. So mm-hmm. that's now an option. Um, so either in person or virtual. And then um, we allow a two-hour time period, although sometimes people end sooner. And if people want to have additional sessions, they are welcome to schedule that. Interesting. Um, so two hours. And- so
0: I've I've got a bunch of follow-ups here for for you, Jules. Do you track... Uh, what types of numbers are you tracking? Uh, you, you mentioned, you know, an officer... Could say yes or could say no. Right. So do you have uh, sort of an idea of how many what what your success rate looks like here?
2: Yes. So we track we track um, everything in terms of who says no, um, how many cases move forward to mediation. How how often is that
0: happening? How, How often are cases moving forward to mediation where both parties said yes?
2: So on average, we see about 35 to 40 percent of the cases that are eligible go forward to mediation where both people say yes. And in our situation, um, and I think this is fairly common across the country, um, about 80 to 90 percent of the time the officer says yes. And then I'd say, um, you know, about 35 to 40 percent of the time the community member says yes. So a lot of the times it's the community member who declines the mediation opportunity, um, and, it's, and 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 in that case it would just go forward with the traditional investigation process. So it's kind of a choice, one or the other.
0: Mm-hmm. What what's your overall goal here? Because 35 to 40 percent, that's pretty low as far as a success rate.
2: Sure, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think mediation is one of those things that it's hard to define success in terms of numbers. Um you know, we are looking always to expand the expand the number of mediations, expand um, the number of referrals, and I'd say that it's a it's a process that is. A lot about kind of some of those less tangible mm-hmm. um things, like the the idea of people coming together in a space that feels safe where they have a nonjudgmental conversation or a, a place to have a conversation to be heard and um, talk to each other um is something that's you know special and rare and not often seen in the criminal legal system. It's not often seen in um in the police complaint process. so you know while while they while many times people say no for the ones that do say yes we see that um that that process and that opportunity is um can be very powerful for people to have a seat at the table and to be able to share their perspective and be heard um and that some of the resolutions and agreements that come out of that Um, are very far reaching. Um, I think mediation is one of those things that can be very time consuming and also um, maybe, like I said, like less about the numbers, but the quality of the connections and the and and even just the sheer fact to have that space to to come together and be at the table um, can be very deeply satisfying and important.
0: Why did the New Orleans Police Department want to create this program in the first place?
2: Um we created this program largely because community members and officers were were frustrated um with with um the lack of spaces to have these kinds of conversations particularly in the complaint process um for for the types of complaints that go to med- mediation like professionalism and neglect of duty oftentimes they go through the traditional investigation process and they get marked as um, not sustained where the Public Integrity Bureau has said, "Well, we don't have enough evidence one way or the other to say if this happened, or or they might say, you know, that this did happen, but it didn't break policy." Mm-hmm. Um, and so people were frustrated. They were saying, "You know, I don't feel like I'm being heard. I don't feel like accountability is happening." Um, we also in New Orleans are under a, a federal consent decree, and part of one part of the consent decree was to create a restorative justice type program to be. Um, a space for this type of um, community police dialogue to happen. So um, we we had a group of stakeholders come together from across the community and also the um, police department leadership to talk about what kind of solutions um, would work. And that's where this program was, was born.
0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. And we're learning about a program in New Orleans that brings independent mediators into conflicts between the police and the community. It's been around since 2014, and Chicago is now launching a similar program. So we're taking stock of what we can learn from New Orleans. Our guest is Jules Griff, who's director of the New Orleans Community Police Mediation Program. So this is a pretty different approach, Jules, to to criminal justice than, than many people in law enforcement, I would say, are used to. You mentioned before that more than 80% of officers take part in this type of mediation process. But is that something that had to evolve over time? Was it always that way, officers jumping to participate?
2: It definitely has evolved over time. I think mediation is, like you said, it's different. It's countercultural. A lot of times um, the idea of accountability is um, one where there's discipline or where someone else gets to decide you know, whether the rule got broken and what to do about it to make it right. And so the idea of of having that accountability shift to the participants, where it's more of a, a self-determination model, is different. Um, and I'd say when we first started the program, officer buy-in was lower. Um, officers didn't necessarily trust the process. They didn't know what mediation was. Um, it was different. It was new. Um, some of the things about our program is that it is voluntary. It's also confidential. Um, and we we want officers also to have a space where they can show up as a human and, and talk about what happened from their perspective and um, what was going on for them. And officers didn't necessarily trust that. Um, and so it took us a little time, I think, to, to show the department and to show both the community members and officers that this is a safe space. Um, and, and at the beginning, you know, we had to, we had to do some education around mediation. So we started going to roll call meetings, um, speaking to all of the officers at the at their different shifts and times Mm -hmm. to, to let them know what mediation is and isn't. Um, and so it, it definitely did take some time, I think, to build that trust and and to get buy-in.
0: You you talked a moment ago about trust, you know, one of the goals of Chicago's, Pilot program is to rebuild trust between police and the community that they serve. Do you think that the New Orleans police ha- have been able to build stronger ties with its community through this practice?
2: I definitely. Um, I think every mediation is um, different and unique. There are ones where there are very um, meaningful conversations about. About deep topics, where you know we've seen officers and community members um, sit down and and talk about, you know, everything from violence to trauma to what they expect police to do and not do to um, what does it mean to be a New Orleanian? Um, people people can people sometimes share um, parts of themselves and their stories that wouldn't normally happen. I think in a in an interaction on the street mm-hmm. um, and are able to dive in. Um, to some of those deeper conversations. Um, and we often find that officers and community members say afterwards, you know, I, I didn't know that about that person. I, I learned something new about them. And and that that sharing often t- can can build some of that, that connection and, and that, um, that trust. I think, you know, sometimes people make very concrete plans about what they need to happen to their report or to their case investigation. Um, or sometimes it can start off as a conversation about, okay, you were rude to me or I don't understand why I got that ticket or that summon. So it can start off as a more practical conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times it can shift and move deeper where I think there is something about sitting across the table and looking someone in the eye and hearing, you know, who they are as a person that, that can really change um, hearts and minds and, and and create some of that deeper that deeper trust. Yeah. I'll also say that sometimes people sit across the table from each other and um, I think leave with the same amount of distrust or um, disappointment or anger that they started with. So it can really depend on on who's in the room and um, and what they're what wh- how they are showing up and what they're like.
0: So as someone who's been working on this for some time now, Jules, how are you feeling seeing that more cities like Chicago are launching their own mediation programs?
2: Um, I think it's very exciting. We've seen um, we've seen lots of cities start mediation programs since we've started ours, and I think um, I think that's that's great. I think we can all keep learning uh, from each other. You know, when we started our program, we looked to um, some of the places across the country that had existing programs and tried to take um, their wisdom and their best best practices and apply it to our local situation. And so, whenever a new program starts, um, we are excited to hear. You know. What, what are they learning? Um, what's working for them? How can we take that and adapt it here? Um, in fact, I'm pretty sure when Chicago was creating their, um, their program, we, we spoke with some of those folks. I know that Miami just started a program. Um, Dallas is working on one. I just was speaking with some folks in Knoxville, Tennessee. So I think the more the better. Um, yeah. we're all like learning and improving all of the time. So. That's great. I look forward to hearing how it goes in Chicago, and and also um, learning from from what what happens there and what ha- what you all um, you know can share back to us.
0: That's Jules Griff, director of the New Orleans Community Police Mediation Program, that's run by the Office of the Independent Police Monitor in New Orleans. Thank you so much, Jules.
2: Thank you, Sasha. Thanks for having me.
0: This episode of Reset was produced by Micah Yason and mixed by Brenda Ruiz. If you want more great interviews and conversations, then consider subscribing to this podcast. And don't forget to leave us a rating. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll see you tomorrow.